0: The Word of God is therefore not only our comfort, but to give us encouragement. And one of the things the Bible clearly says in the Old and New Testament is God's still in the miracle business. He still does miracles, and He wants to do miracles for you.
1: This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. All throughout the Bible, we learn of God's miracles being performed. So, does He still do miracles? Today, David takes us to the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus performs a miracle on a man who couldn't walk. But there's more to this story. Here's the first part of a message called Miracles by Faith.
0: 2 Kings chapter 4. There is a woman, a Shumanite woman, a Gentile, who encounters Elisha, one of the great prophets of God. And she is infertile, and she goes to Elisha, and he says to her, next year at this time, you will have a son. A similar kind of word, you'll have a son named Jeremiah that was given. And I found this particularly interesting at one point in my life because some of you know that Marilyn and I struggled with infertility for a number of years. Uh, God finally gave us Bethany, our daughter, and some years passed thereafter. And like every dad, I'd hoped to have a son, and I was reading 2 Kings 4, and when that word came from Elisha to the Shumanite woman, next year at this time you will have a son, I felt like the Lord used that verse to speak to my heart. Now, look, when you read the Bible, folks, there's a logos word, L-O-G-O-S, the Greek word from which we get logic, a logical understanding of the word of God in his word, okay? And that needs to be understood. But there's also something called the rema word. That's when God takes a word from his word that's particularly for you, for your situation. And when I read that, Those words leapt off the page into my heart, and I was sure I heard God say, that verse is for you. I even wrote it down and said, Lord, did you just speak to me? Am I going to have a son next year at this time? And almost to the day, almost to the day a year after, my son David was born. I can't encourage you strongly enough to read this book and to claim its promises and to cling to them in faith. It's part of the way the miraculous works. Now, what's interesting is in that story in 2 Kings, the boy was given to the Shumanite woman, and at some point as he's growing up, probably I would guess around Jeremiah's age, he's a young boy in the field, he has a brain problem, a headache, and he falls over and dies. And... The mom went to Elisha and said, are you kidding me? You know, after waiting all of these years, I finally get the son and and God's going to take him home? And Elisha fell on top of him and started praying for him, asking God to restore him to life. And what's so fascinating in the story in 2 Kings 4 is it says, and the Shumanite woman's son sneezed seven times and came back to life sneezed seven times and was brought back to life. So the word of God is there for not only our comfort, but to give us encouragement. The stories there are applicable for us today. And one of the things the Bible clearly says in the Old and New Testament is God's still in the miracle business. He still does miracles. And he wants to do miracles for you. Now remember, the greatest miracle of all is the new birth in our hearts. Uh, For the truth is, we are body, soul, and spirit. And if you can imagine three circles that all intersect, body, soul, and spirit, every single one of us is all three of those. And body is our bodies, our soul is our mind, our wills, and our emotions. Jesus said that's the most valuable thing all of us have, is our ability to think, to choose, and to feel. It's unique for all of us, but it is our soul. Jesus asked the question, what value is it to gain the whole world, to have millions upon millions of dollars, but lose your eternal soul? That's who you are for eternity. But there's also a spirit life that Jesus wants us to have. It was dead in its sins and trespasses because of original sin. We're conceived with that spirit life dead. The only way it can be made alive again is by receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior. When that happens by his grace, not by our works, we are made Alive in Him, the Holy Spirit births again, we're born again in that spirit part of who we are. And what Jesus desires is for that spirit life to control the body and the soul that we think and we make choices and then feel like Jesus feels to be conformed to his image by the power of the spirit and our bodies are under the control of the spirit not all the lusts of the flesh in this world that's God's design but if our spirits are dead and our sins and trespasses and the only way they can become alive again is by the empowering of the Holy Spirit that's a miracle from God God alone is the one who can do it by grace through faith. So for those of us who love Jesus, the greatest miracle we can ever experience, we've already experienced the new birth in Christ. But then for the rest of our lives, I'm convinced God wants to do miracles. Now, as you've been in ministry as long as Meryl and I have been, we've seen them regularly, not, not only in our healing from our infertility, but in many other ways. Marilyn and I have traveled internationally, and we have enough stories we could fill the next hour telling you about. Of, in India, we met a lady who had been raised from the dead. She was dead, and they laid hands on her. She was raised from the dead. And we have other instances where people couldn't walk. And in Lebanon, Hikmat, Kashu, our friend and pastor, went and laid hands on this person, and they're now walking around in the fields working every day, you know, 10, 12 hours a day. And there's no other explanation except God just chose to do a miracle. Now, if you struggle with miracles, may I ask you to struggle with Genesis 1:1? Now, what is Genesis 1-1? It's the first verse of the Bible. It says, in the beginning, What? God created the heavens and the earth. Now, if you believe that, the rest of the miracles are easy to believe in, aren't they? If you believe God created this world, he is quite able supernaturally to do whatever he desires to do. So today what I want to do is to look at a section of Scripture of a miracle where Jesus healed a paralytic and use it as a way to challenge all of us to seek a miracle for ourselves, to be an instrument of miracles for others, and also to have a real heart for those who don't believe in Jesus, to ask that God might use us as his instrument to birth new life into others in our spheres of influences so we can accomplish this great vision that God has given us that we talked about a couple of weeks ago at the ballpark that God's given us for the next 12 years because it's going to take all of us in the power of the Spirit seeing miracles flow for God to complete this vision that he's called for us to do. Are you ready? Yes. Five people are ready on the front row. How about you back there? you ready? Thank you. Okay. And the context of these verses, real quickly, as Jesus heals this paralytic, the verses before he had just healed a leper. And after he did that, in verse 16, chapter 5, he went and prayed. Let me read that verse to you so it can set up what we're about to see. But he would withdraw to a desolate place to pray. Now, why would he do that? Because Jesus knew that all of his power from the Holy Spirit, all of the ability to do miracles, all of the ability to heal came from prayer. It came from prayer. So the context is Jesus had just prayed. Now look what happens. Luke 5, 17. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal. Now, where'd that come from? Folks, where'd it come from? His prayer life. That power came from his prayer life. He probably was depleted in the power of the Spirit when he healed the leper. Now he's replenished through prayer. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed, a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw, what folks, their faith, the faith of the four people carrying the paralytic, but also the paralytic's faith. All five of their faith. When he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Dear friends, the only person who can forgive sins is the offended party. God's the offended party by our sins. Jesus forgave his sins, therefore declaring very clearly that Jesus is God. Again, only God can forgive sins. That's why the religious leader says, how can he do these blasphemies? He's claiming to be God. Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man, that's another term for the Messiah, God in human flesh, the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Can you imagine? So the question. How can we see Jesus change another person's life? How can we see Jesus maybe give us the miracle we so long for? There are five principles I want to suggest to you today. First of all, pray. The power that Jesus had to heal the leper in the previous verses, the paralytic in these verses, came from his time with God in prayer. Not only are we birthed in the power of the Spirit and that third part of our nature, the spirit life, made again, alive again through Jesus, it has to be continually nurtured and filled up through prayer. When you give your life away and care for other people especially, you need to have time away when you pray and Jesus replenishes you. The disciples looked at the life of Jesus. They saw the prayer power that he had and they concluded that he knew how to pray and they didn't the only thing the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them how to do was to pray let me ask you what's your prayer life like if it's minimal don't expect power if it's not often done don't expect the miraculous The miraculous in life is directly in proportion to the power of your prayer life. And especially if you have a desire to reach other people for the Lord, you've got to begin in prayer. It's when Jesus lays that person on your heart that you begin to know you might be the person to help bring them to faith in him. So it begins with prayer, folks. I don't know how else to tell you. If you have a small, puny, paltry prayer life, you're going to have small, puny, paltry miracles in your life. God wants to work in powerful ways in you, but it happens when you bend your knee, bow your head, and cry out to God, please fill me in prayer with your power. That's where it all begins. The next step, though, is intense affection. If you're going to reach other people with the miracle of their lives being rebirthed in Jesus, you have to have an intense affection for them. You've got to desire to bring them to Jesus. What's so interesting is these four folks had an intense affection for the paralytic. We're not sure if they were related. We don't know if they were just friends. But there was an intense affection. Think about this. They weren't carrying around that guy on a cot. They didn't have cots in that day. It was a bed. Maybe think in terms of a mattress, and four people on each corner of the mattress were carrying this paralytic into a room that was intensely crowded with a mixed multitude of religious leaders. There were people standing outside trying to get in, and when they brought the guy to Jesus, they couldn't get to him initially, so what'd they do? They found a back stairway and went on top of the house and they began taking the tiles off the roof. Now, the first thought that comes to me is, what did the owner of the house think? You with me? I mean, all of a sudden, tiles start dropping from the roof, and he's looking up going, what's going on up there? And if you're going to drop a mattress down at the feet of Jesus, you're not making a small hole, and if I'm the owner of the house, I'm thinking, who's going to pay for this? Maybe he asked Jesus to do a miracle on that one as well. But this huge hole opens up and the guys drop this paralytic friend, family member to the feet of Jesus. Why? Because they really loved him. You need to know also that if you truly want to see the miraculous, you not only need to love the person for whom you want to see the miraculous, you need to love Jesus passionately. You've got to do whatever it takes to get close to him. If there's anything keeping you, from getting intimate with him, you've got to remove it. If it's at first the crowds, you've got to find a way around the crowds. If it's the back stairway being blocked, you've got to find a way around the back stairway. You've just got to get to whatever place you can be in order to come to his presence and experience his grace. This deep affection for somebody through prayer is a powerful means by which miracles happen. One I think of that happened to me at a point in my life was some years ago, there was a girl whom Marilyn and I just really loved. She was a dear, dear friend, and she contracted spinal meningitis. She went into the intensive care unit, was connected to all the tubes and the wires. She was not in good shape. The doctors had little to no hope for her life continuing, and that word came to us and lasted for several days. I was away on a trip, and I, on the flight back, was praying for her. And during that time, I was overcome with intense affection for her as my sister in Christ. And the Lord spoke to my heart. Have any of you had the Lord ever speak to your heart? If not, you need to connect better to him because John ten twenty seven says, My sheep hear my voice. He wants to speak to you. So in prayer with affection for my sister, I said, Lord, how do I pray? And he said, here's what I want you to do. When the plane lands, get off the plane, go to the hospital, enter the intensive care unit, go next to her ear and whisper to her, the devil can't have you. You will live. And I went, say what? (laughs) And I heard it again. I called Marilyn on the payphone. I said, "Look, this is what just happened. It's 10:30 at night." I'm going to drive to the hospital and pray for her. I'll be home at some point later on, not sure when. She said, Look, if the Lord spoke to you, that's what you need to do. So I went to the hospital, walked to the intensive care unit, dark as you can imagine. There are just a couple of nurses on call. I went to one of them, and said, I'm her pastor. I'm going to go pray for her if you don't mind. She said, Look, we appreciate prayer here. We need everything we can possibly have. So I walked into the intensive care unit. There she is again, just connected to all of the tubes and the wires and the beep, 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 beep. She's in bad shape her complexion is ashen and you really do have that feel of death so I went okay Lord all I know is this is what you told me to do I went up and whispered in her ear friend the devil can't have you you're going to live you will awaken soon I pray this in the name of Jesus And then I got up, and first of all, I thanked God that no nurses had heard me do this, thinking I was probably crazy. But then I blessed her and walked out and said to the nurse, I'm leaving now. She said, thank you for coming by. And and I went away and went home. The next morning, somebody called and said, is David there? And and they said, they're looking for you. And I went over to the phone, and they said, you're you're not going to believe this, but so-and-so just woke up her complexion has turned rosy red she's breathing on her own without the tracheal tube she's well it's it's nothing short of a miracle
1: you're listening to moments of hope with David Chadwick coming up David joins me in the studio with an interesting discussion on how we should all be seeking applause from the right audience we'll be right back
2: Hi, I'm Tony Marciano, President and CEO of Charlotte Rescue Mission. Let me ask you a question. What do you do when you stand at the intersection of homelessness and addiction? Let me put you in that person's shoes for just a second. What is it that you really need? You've probably been one of the individuals who stood at the end of the interstate ramp, holding a sign that said, hungry, will work for food. But you never used the money for food. You bought booze and drugs with it. and Most likely, you hate your life. Your addiction has stolen every aspect of hope. You want to be part of the fabric of society, but every morning your addiction screams and you surrender to it. There is one thing you do need, and that is transformation. The place to go is Charlotte Rescue Mission. Charlotte Rescue Mission works from the inside out to address the root cause of someone at the crossroads of addiction and homelessness. The Rescue Mission provides free, Christian, residential, high-quality substance abuse recovery programs to members of our community who otherwise would not be able to afford such services. With a passion for holistic transformation and a love for Christ, the mission's 120-day program has transformed the lives of thousands of men and women in our community. Charlotte Rescue Mission is grateful for the financial partnership of Moments of Hope Church.
1: I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you so much for being with us. Thank
0: you, Jen. Great being with you as well.
1: Well, in this morning's Moment of Hope, you talked about playing to an audience of one. Will you tell us about that?
0: Well, Carson Wentz, the quarterback uh, in the NFL, actually played put a t-shirt together that has AO1 on it, and it sold, as I understand it, a good number of t-shirts. And it means audience of one. What he's basically trying to say is he's not playing to the fickle applause of the hundreds of thousands of fans out there. He's playing to an audience of one. He's playing to the Lord Jesus Hmm. himself and only seeking his applause. So when you seek the kingdom of God and its purposes solely, then the opinions of others don't greatly matter. So I'm encouraging all of our listeners today to take that similar position, Mm. play to an audience of one. Seek the applause of only one. Seek to please only God. And when you do so, you'll hear his hands clapping for you, and you don't need the fickle opinions of Mm -hmm. other people to make you feel like you're an important person.
1: I like that so much. It reminds me of a phrase I've said before, but it is, if you live for people's praise, you will die by their criticism.
0: Exactly. Wow. And then when you have many people criticizing you, you feel like you're worthless, and it causes you to fall in great despair. But when you hear the Lord's voice, the only author and giver of life, say to you daily, You're my child, I love you deeply. I care for you. I've given you a new name, a new call, a new purpose. When you know that reality in your heart, you can face the criticisms of other people boldly because you know the one to whom you're playing has really given you his approval, the Lord himself. I can't help but remember this verse, Matthew 10, 28, where Jesus said, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him, God, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And I think here of Proverbs 1-7, where... Solomon said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Jen, I'm going to go ahead and say this. I love grace, and I live by grace. Mm -hmm. Grace is so powerful in my life, but I only understand grace because of the fear of the Lord. Mm -hmm. As I come to grips with my sin and place that against his holy character, I go, "Uh uh-oh, I'm headed to hell. Mm -hmm. And so then when I receive his grace, grace is what motivates me to please him in every possible way, to obey all of his commandments. For people out there, many of whom I see calling themselves Christians, I go, you're behaving this way? this anti-God way? You say you're a follower of Jesus, but your life doesn't show it. Is there no fear of the Lord? Mm -hmm. Do you not have a sense you're going to be held accountable, Romans 14, 12, for your life before the Lord one day? I think the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, first of all, to drive you to Jesus, and then secondly, to live in a holy way thereafter.
1: I like this so much. And really to clarify, the fear of the Lord is the awe and the wonder and the awareness of, you've said this, his holiness.
0: Exactly. His majesty, greatness, and how we're not. And, And when you're in that presence, again, it drives you to the cross where you receive his grace, your forgiveness, and then the righteousness of Christ becomes yours. You know you are forgiven. You know you're clean and pure in his sight. You're his adopted son or daughter, and you live in that loving relationship, and you desire to obey, not because you have to, but because you want to for His glory alone.
1: That'll preach, David. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank
0: you, Jen. And listeners, thank you for joining me today. And always remember, A01, play to an audience of one.
1: This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, senior pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We'd love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moment of Hope, delivered every morning to your inbox. And also check out David's HopeCast. They're both free and available at momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston, hoping you have a great weekend.